Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Tonight, go ahead and turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, we got one back there that we can run to you. Um, if not, you can bring it up on your phone. But we, if you need a Bible, if you don't have a Bible at home, we're always happy to give you one um, that you can have and that you can keep. So um, as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we're going to be talking about glowing up tonight. You know what I mean when I talk about a glow up? You know that term, right? Somebody has a glow up. They start out kind of, I don't know, but ugly. Maybe that's kind of mean to say. They, they start out, you know, the ugly duckling and they turn out to be the swan or whatever. So these are some celebrity glow-ups. Um, the first is of Harry Potter fame, Matthew Lewis. Um, you can see the before. You can see the after. Of course, there's Selena Gomez. Um, you know, started out as just some random kid and turned into a, a movie star. Um, there's Zac Efron. I mean, he, he looked like, you know, a little, little, like a little punk. Um, but you just want to like squish into the ground and he turned into a big hunk of man candy. Um, you've got Emma Watson, another Harry, po- yeah, Harry, Harry Potter fame there. Um, got the glow up. And then, you know, you knew, you know I was going to have to put this one in here, of course, right? Um, Taylor Swift. Um, so, I, I don't want to waste too much time with this, but I just want to, this was a picture taken of her when she performed at the Keith Albee Theater in Huntington, West Virginia. Her first year of touring, tickets McKaylee, listen to this. Tickets were $10. So obviously there, there, there was a glow up. There was a glow up there. So we're in a series. If, this, if, the, if you're new here, you haven't been here for a while, um, my name's Matt. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, if you need something, don't ask me because I never know what's going on. Um, ask April or ask one of the leaders. Um, well, we're in this series. We've been going through the book of Ephesians and we've made it to chapter 4. And I just want to give you a heads up on tonight and next week what we're going to be talking about. Because we've made it through the first three chapters, right? And the first three chapters taught us who we are in Christ, what it means to be in Christ. The last three chapters, chapters four through six, they teach us how to live in Christ. Remember last week, if you here last week, we talked about how it's not just about being in Christ, it's about being in Christ in Huntington like the city, been in Christ in Barbersville, in Christ in Milton, in Christ in Salt Rock. Are there people, are there saved people even in Salt Rock? Jason, I don't know, man. Uh, But it's about being in Christ in the situation you're in. And we're going to be talking about areas in which we're supposed to live our identity in Christ. And I'm just going to be honest, tonight... And next week, we're going to be showing how the Jesus life is very different than the way most people live their lives. The next two messages from Ephesians here in chapters 4 and 5 are incredibly challenging. So sometimes, you know, I'm the, I'm the, like, kind of the, the encourager, and I'm like, you can do it, guys, you can do it. You know, sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, the, you know, the coach giving you a proverbial, you know, pat on her ear and saying, get back in the game, and uh, proverbial. And then sometimes, sometimes I have to show in God's word how sometimes our lives just don't line up to what God's called us to do. And this is going to be one of those passages we're going to be in tonight. So what I want to ask you to do is I want to have a time of prayer before we dive in. And then we're going to dive in. So let's pray together. Um, 
Jesus, thank you for being with us tonight, and thank you that uh, you call us to holiness. Because, Lord, we're never going to sin our way to satisfaction. Uh, We're never going to sin our way to the person that you have created us to be. And so, God, I pray that as tonight and even into next week, we talk about what it means to glow up spiritually and what it means to wise up spiritually. Uh, God, that our hearts will really be open to you, that you'll take away uh, our standoffishness, that you'll take away the callousness of our heart, and you will, you will show us where we are and light the path to where we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight's going to be a little different in the sense that I'm not going to read the whole passage and then go back and comment on it. We're going to read a section and we're going to find the point and then we're going to read a section, find the point, and then we're going to read a section and guess what we're going to do? Find the point, right? Got three D words in this passage tonight and then I've got some application points and we have Dun, 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 F words tonight for our application points. So get ready. They get ready. They're coming. So we're, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. And what do we know about Ephesians? It was written by who? Paul and, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved the, the, the heart and the mind of the Apostle Paul to write these specific words to who? Who was it written to? The church at Ephesus, right? What do we know about Ephesus? They worship, yeah, Jason sent me a little, maybe I'll show it later. They they, they worship this fake little g-god Artemis um, in this temple, Temple of Diana. And the, the worship, and we'll get into this next week, the worship was very immoral. It involved things that are whispered about in school being done to quote-unquote worship this quote-unquote fake God, right? So they were living in a very immoral culture. Was the book of Ephesians only written to the Ephesians? It was written to who else? Us. It was, it was a circular letter that was passed from church to church to church, but it's, it's for us too. It's for us tonight here in Huntington, West Virginia. And in Ephesians chapter 4, last week we looked at verse 1 where it said we were called to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. God saved us and because of who we are in Christ, we have a standard to live up to. Not so that we can be saved, but so that we can be more like Jesus. We can honor the one who saved us. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse number 17, and we're just going to read the first three verses, and we're going to comment here. And what I want to show you before before we get into that is this is the big idea tonight, is that in Christ we're called to be different. Say that word, you're going to hear a lot, say different. In Christ we're called to be different. So we're going to look at three ways that we're called to be different in this section of scripture. And with the first three verses read like this, now I say this... And testify in the Lord. Look at this. He says, I say, and that's, that's a word in the Greek that, is, is, that emphasizes things. So there's some emphasis here. I say this to you and I testify in the Lord. This is going to be a big deal, right? He's saying, here's a spotlight. Look at this. You know, for all you people like Matt McClay who are ADD, look at this. <laughs> don't, don't follow the squirrel. Look at this. And here's the big thought. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, what does he mean by that? 
We learned earlier in the passage that, that he, says, he, he says that the Jews and the Gentiles, people who were of Jewish descent and all other people were brought together into the body of Christ. So is he talking about you're not supposed to act like a certain race of people? No, what he's saying is you're not supposed to act like the people that you were saved out of, the culture that you were saved, at, saved out of. You're supposed to be, and this is the first, yeah, this is the, the, the first big point here, is that glowing up spiritually having a before and then having an after means being different. He says, don't walk like the Gentiles do. That is the main point. Well, how do they walk? The, the idea isn't just like, don't walk like them. Like, I walk like this. And you know, some people walk like this. It doesn't have to do with like the steps that you take. What it has to do is that word walk, it's the Greek word peripedeo, which means uh, your manner of life, the way that you live. So don't live like the people that you were saved from live. Well, why shouldn't you live like everyone else? Why shouldn't... Uh, I never know which school to mention first. I'm always, some people say I always say Huntington first. Some people always say I say Midland first. So I'm going to say Barbersville tonight. Where are my Barbersville people at, right? Uh, you, if, you, if, you're a, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't live like everybody else in Barbersville. You should be... There should be some difference. Why? Well, let's look. Let me change my color here. Just a second. Let me find a new pretty color. Try turquoise. Oh, I like that idea, turquoise. Here it is. What, so why do, what, how do they walk? They walk in the futility of their minds. This word futility, it means emptiness. It's the same word that was used in the book of Ecclesiastes when it says vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. It says don't live like everybody around you because their life is meaningless. How can he say that? Because any life that's not centered around God is meaningless, right? So, so don't do it because they're living a meaningless life. Well, how do we know that they're living a meaningless life? He uses three, three words that, that tell us what a meaningless life is. It's the word darkened, alienated, and callous. They're darkened in their understanding. What does it mean to be darkened in your understanding? It means they don't see the big picture. The people around you, if, if they don't have God as the center of their life, all their priorities are messed up, right? So when they have a decision to make, when Snake asks you, you, her out to homecoming, she's not going to decide, well, like, this guy has a really bad reputation, and every other word coming out of his mouth is a cuss word, and like, I've heard stories about how he's pressured different people to do different things. Maybe I shouldn't say yes to him, but all you can say is, oh, wow, he's a big Zach Efron hunk of man candy. I'm going to go out with you. It, it, it's a way of thinking that doesn't factor God as a priority. They're darkened in their understanding. But then it says they're alienated from the life of Christ. What does that mean? Does that mean like UFOs? No, it just means that they don't, they're not connected to the fountain of life. And before we get any further in this, you know, we're talking about other people, right? We're talking about, you know, some of you here tonight, yeah, some of you here tonight may be Christians, and there may be some of you here tonight that have never put your faith in Jesus. And the point of this is not to single people out who aren't Christians and say, they're terrible people, and we need to judge them. It's to show you that you should live different so that you can be a witness to them, right? So they're alienating. They're cut off from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. That just means they don't know God, right? It goes back to the futility of their mind. And due to their what? Hardness of heart. Some of them don't do right just because they don't know the right thing to do. Some people don't do right because they know the right thing to do and they thumb their nose at God and they do whatever they want to do anyway. You know anybody like that? Have you ever been like that? Right? So, so that's why we shouldn't live like the people around us. And the last thing it says, they've become callous 
and given themselves to, this is a word that's kind of weird, sensuality. What does a callus mean? Any of y'all got callus? Any, any, any of y'all, any y'all that, that are gains hunters like me have calluses on your hands, you know, from, from, from lifting, right? Here's what you could do. You, one of y'all could whip out your pocket knife and you could start digging on my callus and I would not make a, I, I, I would not feel a thing. Why? Because it's callous. It's just dead hard skin. You know, some people, when you're in a pattern of doing the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, doing the wrong, you don't realize you're doing the wrong thing anymore. When somebody tells you, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that, you're like, up yours because I don't really care because it doesn't bother me. And that's the kind of people that we're supposed to be different from because it says they're callous and they practice every kind of sensuality. They've given themselves up to sensuality. What does sensuality mean and are we allowed to talk about that at church? Well, look at the root of this word here, S-E-N-S. What do you think that word, that root is? Sense. Has to do with our senses. What are the five sentences? Sense, senses. Touch, taste, sight, smell, Hearing. Hearing, yeah, there we go. So here, this is how they, this is how people around you make all their decisions. Does it feel good? Will it feel good? And if it will, I'm gonna do it. If that Big Mac's gonna feel good in my tummy, Big Macs never feel good in your tummy. But yeah, if it's gonna, if it's gonna taste good, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, if doing this thing with this person that God has called me to save between, to save it for my spouse, if it feels good, I'm gonna do it. If looking at this thing on my phone feels good, I'm gonna do it. It's sensuality. And what God is saying here and he's telling us is that why would you, this is not a judgment per se, but why would you want to live a life like this when you've been redeemed by God? There should be a difference. But the question that I want to ask is, are we different? Are we different? Can a refuel student walk through the halls of Cabell Midland, of Huntington High, of Milton, and people notice that they live differently than everyone around them? God is calling us to be different, are we? Are we? That's a question that only you can answer, right? Are we different? The next thing that we learn about glowing up is that glowing up requires a decision. I got a picture here of former Huntington High athlete Darnell Wright who was the number 10 pick in the NFL draft and the poor guy got drafted by the Bears. Uh, <laughs> so um, I can't say much. I'm a Cowboys fan. It was a rough week. Um, but he got drafted by the Bears. He played, he used to play in college. He played for Tennessee, right? He had that beautiful, you're right Jason? He had that beautiful orange on. But when he was drafted by the Bears on draft night, he didn't come up with a Tennessee jersey, did he? Because he was no longer an NCAA athlete. He was now an NFL athlete and he had the shirt, the jersey of an NFL team, the Chicago Bears. That's what God is calling us to do here is we're supposed to be different. Well, how are we different? How can we be different? I'm going to go to green now. It requires a decision. 
It requires action on our part. It takes zero action to become a believer in Jesus. I want to say that at the beginning. It takes zero action to be saved. We understand that, right? You cannot work your way to heaven. You have to trust that Jesus worked your way to heaven by dying on the cross. That's the gospel. But the gospel saves us to a new life. And we learn in this passage and we learn in other parts of the Bible that there's a process. The moment you said yes to Jesus, a process started in your life. I don't want to get too technical here. But the moment you say yes to Jesus, a process starts in your life. It's a big word, sanctification. And what that word means is being made more and more like Jesus. The Bible kind of gives us a preview of the end of, what, uh, of how that's going to end up. When we are with Jesus, when he returns and we're with him in glory, we will be like him. We will be transformed. But on earth, we're in the process of being made more and more like Jesus. But what we learn in the Bible is it's a cooperation between us and the Holy Spirit. We know that ultimately we're going to be conformed to the image of God. It says it in Romans 8. But what we learn is right now we're in a cooperation and, and, and we work in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And some of the most miserable Christians you'll ever see are Christians who the Holy Spirit is pulling them this way and their old self is pulling them this way. That's a miserable Christian. And we see the struggle here. We see the difference. It says, that is not the way you learn Christ. He's talking about all this stuff back here. You didn't learn Christ by doing that. Here's what we taught you. First off, look at the gospel here. It says, assuming that you what? Heard about him. Romans chapter 10, faith comes by. Jason, you were talking about this. Faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So this is G-O-S-P-E-L. This is what, this is how you're saved. You heard the gospel, but then you're taught him. You know what that is? That's a word we don't talk about enough. It's the word discipleship. It's that you're taught how to live the Jesus life. And this is the key to living the Jesus life. Three phrases. Put off. Be renewed. And put on. Let's see if we can memorize that real quick. Put off. Be renewed. Put on. I'm going to say it again. You're, you're waking up. You're, you, the, the, you know, the, the engine's like... Right? Put off. Be renewed. Put on. Put off, be renewed, put on. I, I was, it's, it's really interesting because I came up with this analogy and then I heard Jeff talking in the praise band about it too. Have you ever been working outside or, or you're, you're doing something athletic outside and you are so sticky and so sweaty and so dirty? One of the worst sometimes is playing like volleyball at Barbersville Park with the sand and it's like 80% humidity and you're sweating in places you didn't know you have and then you die for a volleyball and you get sand in places you didn't know you have and all you want to do is get home, take off those nasty old clothes, get in the glorious shower and put on some clean new clothes and sit under the air conditioning. Right? That's what we're called to do here spiritually. Look at what it says. It says we're supposed to put off the old self. We still have a sin nature. We have a sin nature that was passed along from Adam all the way to us through our fathers. Say thanks, Dad, right? We have a sin nature. That's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin, right? He was a human without a sin nature. The only one, the only one able to live a perfect life. When we're saved, God energizes. He regenerates our spirit so that we have a spiritual life. There's a spiritual side of us now that longs for God, but there's still this old person inside us that that longs for these things that we used to long for. 
So what, is, what does the Bible say? It says we're supposed to put off that old person, that old self. Here's the way the Apostle Paul described it, who wrote Ephesians. Here's how he described it in Romans. Tell me if this isn't a struggle that you have. Here's how he describes it. He says, I love God's law with all my heart. He's saying, I want to please God. But there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will deliver me from this body that's dominated from sin and death. Does that sound like your struggle too? It sounds like my struggle sometimes. He's talking about the difference, the pull between our old sin nature and the spiritual person that God has made us to be. How do we win that fight? The first, we got to put off our old self. This, this is, this terminology in the Greek has to do with the changing of a shirt, the changing of a garment. So it, it fits with the, the illustration, doesn't it? That we're supposed to take off our old sinful self and this is not something he says to do one time. This is an everyday thing. This is, this, is, this is what you do every day if you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. You take off your old self. You say, I'm no, I don't no longer, longer belong to this way of life anymore. I take off my old self. Take off that dirty shirt. And then what does it say? It says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. It's like Romans chapter 12. We talked about it in D now. Remember the shirts? Renewing the mind. We're supposed to, how do we renew our mind? It's by putting God's word in our mind. We shower spiritually with God's word. We become clean by God's word. Psalm 119 says, how can a young person stay on the clean path? By taking heed according to your word. So we take off that old self, that old identity. Say, I don't belong to them anymore. We cleanse ourselves and we intake God's word and then what does it say it says put on the new self put on the new jersey put on the clean shirt what's so great about this new shirt because it was created after the likeness of God Put on your new identity in Christ. This is something that God has called you to do when you wake up in the morning and you get ready to get on the giant Twinkie that takes you to school. This is what God calls you to do, homeschoolers, when you roll out of bed and crawl your way to the kitchen table to do your schoolwork or however you do that. Uh, this is what God has called you to do every day. That's how we get our glow up. The final thing that we learn, the final D word is that Glowing up. I had to find this word. I used a thesaurus. It diffuses from the inside out. Some of y'all, maybe you're, you're, you, some of y'all, your moms are like big believers in like essential oils. Like, the, like, 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 like you could break your leg and your mom would have an essential oil to straighten that thing right up, right? Uh, and, and how do you, <laughs> some, some of you are like, yep. So what do they do with it? How do they get the essential oils out? They put it in a diffuser, right? And, and it just starts permeating everything. And what we're supposed to do, what this passage shows us is that once we realize that we're supposed to be different. Once we put off the old, we shower in God's word, and we put on the new, a change starts to happen. And we start living differently. And this is what God has called us to do. And these are some of the differences that God has called us to live. And it's interesting that he starts with the way that we relate to other people. 
Next week, we're going to get into some other things. We're going to get into things like alcohol and sexuality and greed and, and, and inappropriate jokes and things like that. But it starts with, if you want to have a glow up, it starts with the way you treat the people around you, specifically the people of God. So I just want, instead of having like a slide for each of these, I just like put them all up there so you can see. And I tried to, I tried to alliterate them. I tried to make them rhyme and stuff. But look at the passages here. I'm not going to put this up on the screen. I've got it here, but it's just going to be too hard to flip back and forth. But look at what the way God has called us to live. He's called for some differences. So he's first, look at verse 25. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. We're, stu- we're supposed to put off tales, you know, tall tales. Supposed to put off lies, put off untruth, and put on truth. That's the, one of the jerseys we take off and put on. Why is it that we can't be honest with the people of God? How is it that we pretend to be, hey guys, we're up here. Why is it that we pretend to be one way here and another way there? We should be honest people. Look at verse number 26. It says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. We're supposed to trade rage for restraint. Have you ever met somebody and like they can go from zero to 60 in 0.2 seconds? Like, they're just, they, 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 you know, you say the wrong thing, they can just blow up. And they're like, well, that's just the way that I am. Well, yeah, God's called you to put off the old, be renewed in your mind, and put on the new. So stop using it as an excuse for being a turd to other people, right? We're supposed to put, and look what happens when you don't. When you don't let go of your anger, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. When you hold on to anger, you know what? You soften yourself up to where Satan can get into your mind and cause you to sin. So that's more than just people, right? We're supposed to put off grabbing and put on giving. When I say grabbing, it has to do with stealing. It says, let the thief no longer steal and rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with someone in need. It means that instead of being a taker, Instead of being out for me, 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 what can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of this opportunity? What can I get out of this mission trip? What can I get out of this and that? It says, what can I give? How can I help someone? It's a change, isn't it? Here's a tough one, verse 29. We're going to get more into this next week. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That word for corrupting, it means, I was looking at the different translations, it's, it means fetid. Anybody know what fetid means? It means, <laughs> it means, to, it means, to, be, uh, it means to be perverse and it means to be rotten. Rotten words. So it has to do with words, one, that tear people down, or two, are just, just filthy words that you shouldn't say. Isn't it sad that some Christians, with the same mouth that they praise God, say words that no Christian has any business saying? It says to put off the filthy words, and then it says only use the words that are good for building up, verse 29, as fits the occasion so that may give grace to those who are here. So it's not only a matter of saying the saying words that you're allowed to say, but it's also saying the right thing at the right time. Have you ever been around someone who they said something that was correct, but they said it at the wrong time? Like, does this dress make my butt look big? Well, yeah, it looks like a big old yeah, Mack truck. No, yeah, there would be a better way to say it, right? A way that is fitting, a way that gives grace to the here. Some of us think, 
was a joke, but some of us think that just because we're right, that just because we are right on an issue, or right on a particular side of a debate, that that means that we can talk about that and say that to people however we want. And that we can tear people down just because we're right. It's possible to be right, but to say the right thing in the wrong way and be wrong, if that makes sense. We're supposed to say words that are fitting and that are full of grace. The final one, we're supposed to put off festering and put on forgiving. Verse 31, it lists, it lists five different things that we're supposed to put off. And it, it all has to do with kind of the same thing. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. That means, that, that means talking against someone and malice. That means having ill intent towards someone. That all points back to someone who did something wrong or you feel like they did something wrong. And you're going to use your words and you're going to use your attitude to try to tear them down. And you let it fester. Has that ever happened in your life? Somebody did you wrong? Instead of giving it to God, moving on, you just let it fester inside. It's like what's going on at the bottom of your locker. There's a lunch at the bottom of your locker from like a month ago and it's festering. What happens when that festers? It gets more, to, does it ever get better? Does it ever get less disgusting? No, I mean the mold grows and, and, and animals take up residence in your locker. It gets worse. The longer you hold on to stuff like this, the more it festers. You have to let it go. It says that we're supposed to be tender-hearted, kind, and this is the F word nobody likes forgiving one another. That's a lot to unpack. What does it say? Forgiving one another, how? As God forgave you. What did God forgive you of? Everything, right? So that's how far we're supposed to forgive. And it ends by saying this, and I'm gonna show you here in, in 5.1. It says, um, be imitators of God, beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You see at the beginning of the passage, it says, don't walk like the Gentiles do. Don't live like everyone else. You should be different. Be different by being like Christ. Two bookends on a big section of scripture. Do you see it? Don't walk like everyone else. Walk like Jesus. In Christ, we're called to be different. But the question is, are we? Can we honestly say as believers in Jesus, as refuel students, there's a difference between the way we live and people who aren't Christians live? Is there any difference in my life? I got four F words for you. We got like two minutes, so I'm gonna do an F word every 30 seconds. Ready? Here we go. The first one is fresh. We've been talking about how you can have a new life, right? How you can have a fresh start. Has there ever been a time in your life when you trusted in Jesus, you understood that because Jesus died on the cross in the place of your sin, that you can trust in him and have eternal life. Find new life by trusting in Jesus. Now, I'm going to be praying here in a minute and I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray and trust Jesus as I'm praying. The next F word is feed. We learned about it in that middle section there, those three verses, four verses. We need to feed the new self and starve the old self. Here's the problem. We spend like maybe 30 minutes in the Bible if it's a good day. And we spend X amount of time on Instagram, X amount of time on TikTok, X amount of time on Netflix, X amount of time listening to music we maybe shouldn't be listening to. We'll talk about that next week. 
You are starving yourself spiritually and you're feeding your old self. Flip it around. Renew your mind daily. The next one is follow. Follow Jesus even if it means standing alone. This may not make you popular. This may not make me popular this week and next week. But we need to change our thinking. It says don't live like everyone around. Don't live like the Gentiles. You know what the Gentile thinking was? Does this feel good? If it does, I'll do it. Instead of asking, does this feel good? We're called to ask the question, does this make me more like Jesus? Follow Jesus, even if it means standing alone. And here's the final one, and we need this to temper the rest of it. Feel. Feel Jesus' heart for the lost and love people like Jesus. You know what, what's sad is we can look at this section here where it talks about people who are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in them, and like, these people are terrible. But we forget that we were those terrible people and we found Jesus. We should have a heart of compassion like Jesus does toward people who are in darkness. It talks about their calloused hearts but sometimes we can grow calloused hearts towards people who need Jesus. So the final F word is feel. Feel Jesus' heart for the lost. So, is there any difference in my life? Let's pray and we'll get out of here. So bow your head, close your eyes. We're gonna pray. Um, as I'm praying, I just wanna invite you if you realize there's a there's not enough difference in my life. There's areas of my life where I'm living way too much like everyone else and Jesus has called me to something else. Give that area of your life over to Jesus tonight. And as I'm praying, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never trusted in Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity that as I'm praying, that you can pray quietly in your heart and say something along the lines of Jesus. I trust that when you died on the cross, you died for my sin. Will you save me and fill me with your Holy Spirit tonight? Thank you for giving me eternal life. Something as simple as that, just, just vocalizing your trust in your heart for Jesus. So I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, if you need to give something to God or you need to trust Jesus to save you, you can do that right now. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this new life you've given to us. Now God, I'll be honest, as a, as, a, as a pastor, as a youth pastor, there are times I just fall so short of the different way that you've called me to live. Uh, but God, I pray that this evening um, you, you will work in my life to make me more like you and that you'll work in the lives of our students and our leaders to make us more like you. Some of it is something that we, we have to participate in and something that, some of it is something that you're doing. But God, I pray that we will go along with you. God, thank you for saving us. And God, I pray if there's anyone here tonight that has never put their trust in Jesus, that they will do that right now as I'm speaking. Um, that right now as I'm speaking, they will start praying and, and, and thanking you for dying for them and putting their trust in you. God, it would be a shame for someone to walk out through these doors and not know that they have an eternity in heaven waiting for them and that their sins are forgiven. So I pray that they'll do that right now. And God, I pray that you'll be with us as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.